Well, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good night, wherever you're tuning in from. We have people from all over the world. So I am here today uh, with Dr. Bayo uh, Curry Winchell. Amazing. You know, you've seen her on our platform many times. What an amazing woman and what an amazing doctor. She does so much for the community, so much to enlighten, empower, inspire, and uplift. So we're today we're talking about diabetes because it is November and November is National Diabetes Awareness Month. And African-Americans are the fastest dying from complications, diabetes, um, dialysis, and on and on. Is that correct, Dr. Curry? That is correct. Uh, this disease really has impacted our community in so many different ways. Whether we talk about adults or kiddos, this disease is quite prevalent. Yeah. So um, why are we more prone to it? Is it is it our diets? Is it hereditary? Is it all of the above? So there's multiple factors. And one thing I always like to uncouple, which you and I have done before, when we talk about diabetes and we talk about race, it's important that we kind of define that piece. So why are we just as Black individuals more at risk? Well, I like to kind of unlayer that and talk about as our ethnicity and family history that's where it's rooted in, not necessarily the color of my skin. Now, that being said, the color of my skin is a factor in the opportunity to have access, bias, other factors that we know are really um, a part of this problem when we talk about the overall disease. So the, the issue is, really having health literacy, being able to know about the disease, also um, being diagnosed at an early time, and then just the opportunity to know all of the um, elements to the disease, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's uh, medications, or or neither, or I, not either one, um, just being able to know about it so you can make the best decision for you or your family member or whoever's facing this. Yeah, and and so I heard you say on one of your broadcasts that um, gestational diabetes often leads to diabetes. Is that correct? That is correct. So gestational diabetes, when you have diabetes during pregnancy, um, and it's normally screened between the 24th and 28th week. And so what we what we know is if you've been diagnosed with gestational diabetes, you have an increased risk of developing diabetes after pregnancy. And so it's really important to ask um, to get tested because some of the studies have shown, although as Black individuals, or African-American, we are less likely to um, have gestational diabetes. However, we are more likely to develop diabetes after pregnancy. So when you unpack that, there's multiple areas that kind of contribute to this disproportionate rate. So are we not getting tested during pregnancy? Because there's, you know, a misfire there when you look at the fact that we have a higher rate of diabetes after pregnancy. So there's multiple pieces to this story. And that's why it's so important that we highlight, you know, if you were diagnosed with gestational diabetes to get tested. So I have an article that's free, that's available, that's on, um, it's with She Knows, if you look it up and it's there and it, it really gives you the symptoms and the signs and symptoms 
symptoms of gestational diabetes, as well as um, what you should know as far as getting tested after. Oh, wow. Uh, we, we want to just say hi to Tony and Maxine. Those are the only people that Hello. have um, typed so far. But if you're tuning in, let us know where you're tuning in from and uh, share the broadcast. So I'll tell you. Um, so back when I had my daughter, which was seven, 37 years ago, um, they did not di um, diagnose me with gestational diabetes. However, my daughter was 10 pounds <laughs> and I ended up with diabetes and they say that usually diabetics have big babies. That's what I heard. Is that correct? That is correct. You have an increased risk of having a bigger baby. And so you that piece of having diabetes plus just overall bone structure, family history, and, and how those parents are, what, what their blueprint is, that also can add to it as well. Yeah, because my mother was a type 1 diabetic. And she was a large mm. woman. She was like 5'11". And she was, you know, she was, she was a, a big woman. And so, um, yeah, so, and then my daughter um, was diagnosed with gestational diabetes while she was pregnant. Um, they say she's not now, um, but, but here's what they did for me. They kept saying, you're borderline, borderline, borderline. Is there a such thing as borderline? There is. So if we're talking about pregnancy or outside of pregnancy, so I'll kind of take it individual outside of pregnancy, you can be diagnosed mm -hmm. or you can get diagnosed with pre-diabetes. So that's the, of course, the first cursor or the first step before diabetes. And we look at the hemoglobin A1C to see what your numbers are. And so if it's below that threshold of 6.5, that's when we think, um, or when we know that you have an increased risk of developing diabetes and you have pre-diabetes. In respect to gestational diabetes, when we're screening you, we're looking to see a specific number to see if you fit that mold. Now, that being said, um, it's important to kind of look at all the factors, um, such as, you know, if that patient is displaying certain symptoms that are associated with it, that's an opportunity to talk to your doctor and make sure that it's not rooted in something else or getting retested or, you know, something of that sort. But that is a, a conversation that should be um, had with your doctor. Yeah, so Dr. Shanetta, um, welcome Dr. Shanetta Neal. She said, I had gestational diabetes with uh, my son 17 years ago, but I never developed diabetes. I'm an African-American woman. Um, so what are these things, some of the things that you can do once they say that you are pre-diabetic or you have gestational to prevent you from getting to that stage? So a couple of pieces, if you were diagnosed with gestational diabetes, it's still very important to get tested after you deliver. The reason why is we know that diabetes often is referred to as a silent disease. So not everybody has the symptoms such as fatigue, mm -hmm. um, increased thirst, urination, um, difficulty healing as far as wounds and sores and blurred vision are just a couple of those symptoms. But again, it's important to mentioned, not everybody has those symptoms. So I would start with first getting tested because yes, we know ourselves and we know our bodies, but 
there's something to be said of making sure that you don't have it because if you have it, you you want to be able to have the opportunity to respond as well as if you have the precursor numbers, this gets into what you mentioned, Dr. Jackie, what can we do to prevent it? So there's multiple things that you can do. One is really looking at the foods that you eat. And, and I'm mindful when I say that because often you hear people just say, oh yes, I know I'm supposed to eat healthy fruits and vegetables. Well, realistically, including myself, it can be hard <laughs> to do that every day. And so I share with my patients, including this is what I do in my family. I just try each day to insert, you know, one healthy food. Now, if I go beyond that, that's a, that's wonderful, but I start small and that's what I tell my patients. Just start small with food choices because when you eat foods that have a healthy type of sugar, and we can get into that, it allows your the sugar in your bloodstream to be stabilized or stay at a healthy level. However, when you eat foods that have like a low nutritional value or high calorie and not a lot of um, substance to it, it causes your blood sugars to spike. And so when that happens, that increases as far as um, the sugar in that area. And when you have too much in that bloodstream, too much sugar, the body's not able to use it. And so what happens is it's sitting there and it can impact different organs, such as you know your heart, your eyes, and so forth. So I think that's a good kind of an example for people to kind of uh, think about when we talk about food and sugar and how it really um, impacts your everyday health. Yeah. So, um, you know, my doctor used to tell me, you know, you need to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, but fruits raise my sugar. I test my sugar on a regular basis. And if I eat fruits, grapes or anything like that, my sugar's going through the roof. So that part's important. So each person, and this is the part that is important to me, at least in my practice, is individual care because we're not all made the same. We all don't process food the same. And mm -hmm. so really having the optics into what foods and how you respond to that is huge. Mm -hmm. Some of my patients have what they call a continuous glucose monitor or CGM. And why that has been helpful for some people, not everyone, is to your point, Dr. Jackie, when you eat a specific food that you're thinking this is healthy, that this is great. And we see a spike versus with somebody else we may not. So figuring out what foods, um, how you respond, not only from the blood sugar level, but even to your mood, your activity, all of those things I think are an important piece of a playbook for when you're choosing certain foods and so forth. The other thing to do is balance it with a protein as well, because all of those factors are important in response to how your, how your sugars are going to either be high, low, or in between. I, um, I actually, um, take cinnamon and a lot of doctors will not tell you that, but cinnamon will drop your sugar like very quick, depending on which one you take. Um, I take 6,000, um, I know uh, whatever it is of cinnamon on a regular basis. And if my sugar starts spiking, uh, it'll bring it down. I can't use the, well, the glucose monitoring. I was using the um, Dexcom 
And guess what? I got a new phone and it doesn't work with that. Dexacom is doing a lousy job um, with their technology. Uh, so it doesn't work with that. I was using the Libra, the first Libra with the uh, little monitor. And I was getting letter emails saying that it catches on fire. <laughs> so I'm back to sticking the fingers because, I mean, this is where I am. And I love the, the idea of being able to know where I was at all times. But uh, my doc, I was actually just at my doctor yesterday and she said it is not for everybody. Um, that is correct. <laughs> not everybody, but, you know, just, I think having the knowledge of different uh, types of things out there, because some patients aren't even aware of it, that it's available. So I think the more we can provide education behind the different modalities or different tools to help manage your blood sugars, and see this with intent, the way you want to do it, I think that part is so vital because it's your health journey and it's important that you feel a part of it and also feel that this is what you want to do in whatever fashion it is. And I think we forget um, that in health. Yeah. So Tony says, um, this disease runs in my family and I'm trying to prevent it within myself, but my family really doesn't understand the disease. Um, more education is needed, and that's why we're that's why we're here, Tony, um, talking about it. Um, my mother, um, back then, there was, you know, she died in two thousand and four from um, a septic shock, which is, you know, complication of, mm -hmm. of the diabetes and and the, and the infection going through her body and shutting down her organs. There's so many things that diabetes can cause. She was only sixty three years old. I'm sixty six. Oh, um, yeah, but. She didn't. She didn't do anything right. <laughs> Behind my mother, she would make sweet potato pies and she would do eat Reese's peanut. See, the thing with me is I don't crave sweets. Um, I'm I'm never thirsty, uh, like some of the stuff that you know the diabetics have. I don't I don't get that. But um, my doctor said it's hereditary. You you were prone to get it anyway. Did you freeze? I think you froze, Doctor Bale. I don't know what happened. Okay. I know she's, she, I think you froze. So I don't know what happened. But anyway, um, I hope that you're getting something from this broadcast, because that's what we try to do. We try to bring in people who can help you uh, in your life. That's why with our, our Christian women level up, we want to empower you every area of your life um, with your body, your mind, your spiritual, your finances, and all of that. And it's important that we as uh, women talk about it. We lost her. <laughs> we lost her. Hopefully she come back. But um, yeah, she is frozen. So um, let me see. Yes. And I like that. She says, know yourself. You have to know your body. There she comes. She comes back. <laughs> Technology. Welcome <Yeah>. back. <laughs> here your mom loves sweets and then you didn't crave sweets and then we lost connection yeah i just said everybody's different i did not um so somebody asked what about type one type one is when you're born with it is that correct that is correct it it has nothing it it's not associated with your diet or exercise it's an autoimmune um condition and and so what about low blood sugar? Because I know I knew someone who had that, which is the opposite. That's just as dangerous, right? 
So whether it's high or low um, blood sugars, it can impact um, your quality of life. And so I like to kind of Let's delve into that. So we know that sugars are a source of energy for our brain, our heart, lungs, all of these things. And so if you're too low or too high, it really impacts your, affects your ability to concentrate, have the memory, doing just everyday things that are a part of your life. And so that's where the, uh, when I was talking about stabilizing your blood sugars, um, it's whether you're diabetic or not, it's an important piece um, just for your overall health, physical and mental health, because we all mm -hmm. know that we've all experienced where we feel kind of fatigued and just having difficulty kind of doing daily tasks. And sometimes that can be contributed to just really high uh, levels of blood sugar or low. Yes. And, um, uh, Miss Wright, I think it's Okima Wright says diabetes versus insulin resistance. Is there a difference? So there is, but there's also an interplay. So we know with diabetes, it's when the pancreas, which actually secretes insulin, is no longer able to secrete enough or it just stops working. And so insulin is such an important hormone that you have insulin and then you've got glucose or blood sugar. So what happens is you've got this blood glucose or sugar in your system and insulin is needed in order to allow that sugar to go into the cells. When it goes into the cells, that's what gives you that fuel to, 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 um, you know, have that mental cognition, uh, to run, to do all of those things. And so what happens is if we don't, if you no longer have pancreas secreting that insulin or there's nothing, then that blood sugar has no, it, it, it's not able to get into the cells. And I think when you kind of lay that foundation, it's really helpful to understand. Now, when we talk about about insulin resistance, that means you've got it, you've got the insulin, but it's unable to really help that glucose kind of a lock and key into the cells. I'm going to share an example that is not mine, but um, a clinician of mine mentioned this is an example, and I think it's a fantastic way. So for anyone who's been in a long-term relationship, marriage, in, in, in any uh, capacity, there's this um, uh, familiarity with the fact that you are very in tune with that person's voice and so forth. Well, I want you to think about that as insulin. So you, you, you hear that partner kind of talking to you, but eventually sometimes you may not recognize it or, or kind of jump and move to what they're saying. Well, that's the same thing as insulin resistance. So it's there, the sugar and the insulin's there, but it's not responding just because there's so much there and it's always there. So I don't know if that's a good <laughs> a common, a way to understand, but um, you've got it, but it's just not able to respond kind of with your partner. Sometimes you hear them in the background, but when, you, when you've been in the relationship a long time, you may not react. <laughs> So I hope that resonates with uh, <laughs> with everyone to kind of think about it um, in that in that way. And um, I sh I'll share, as Dr. Jackie knows, um, I have a free resource that um, was funded by grants uh, that 
talks about preventing type 2 diabetes and prediabetes. And why I want to talk about this series is it actually shares patient stories. Um, and it has kiddos and adults who are struggling with prediabetes or diabetes, and it talks about their, their um, journey with it. So I, I encourage everyone to take a look at it. Um, it is diverse. It's inclusive. It has physicians, patients, um, a wide variety, and the each episode is less than 15 minutes. And it talks about nutrition, sleep, all of the things that are part of diabetes. So it's on unmuted health. And I think Dr. Jackie will share it and it's um, preventing type two diabetes. So please take a look, it's free and it's a great resource to learn more. Yeah, when you send me that, I will definitely share it on our page. Um, Felicia said that, um, Diabetes education is so needed in our communities. When it's offered, we need to encourage engagement. So I have typed in the comments for you to share the broadcast. Please do share the broadcast. Um, knowledge is power. And, yes. and since we have such a broad network, I need your help to help us get the word out. If you're not sharing it, if you're keeping it to yourself, then it's, it's really, you know, um, we're not able to reach as many people. So I ask you to please um, share the broadcast. Um, Tony says, um, what are some of the signs of child diabetes to watch for? So this one is, is I'm so glad, first and foremost, thank you for asking that question. Because Recently, especially during the pandemic, there were studies that showed that Black children are now double increased rate of diabetes. And so that part is just important to highlight. So with kiddos, um, there's a wide variety of symptoms. And again, we kind of still have to look at the fact that diabetes is a silent disease. And so fatigue is a big piece in it where they're just not as energetic as they were before. Also, some of my patients, um, before we diagnosed, we found out that there was an increased thirst where they were drinking a a ton of water, but they still were stating that they were thirsty. Another piece is increased urination. Um, so that's a part. And another one is infection. So increased risk mm -hmm. of our rate of infection. So those are some of the things. But again, I, I always encourage if you can to, you know, have your child checked that well child check is so important. And um, if there's just anything, you know, your child best, if there is just where they're not at their baseline, anything's different or anything just doesn't feel the same, have your child be seen. I, I tell my patients and parents, I say, come in it's any time. If there's something that you're concerned about, I'm concerned about it then. And let's take a look at it because, you know, it's important. You're an amazing doctor. Um, oh. So, I mean, I know that um, a lot of us give our kids soda and I know that's like, uh, that's like horrible, right? So I lean into that family. So I, 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 I never want to judge. And so I think when you remove that judgment, you're able to talk about it and also provide um, tips and and possible ways to kind of either reduce it or share 
you know, what effect it can have. So when it comes to soda, just with those high sugary and it doesn't are high sugar and it doesn't have nutritional value, it can cause a spike in your child's, uh, blood sugar in their stream. And that can turn into, you know, behavioral issues, a, a whole wide variety of things. One thing we do in our family and I share with my patients is uh, getting water and putting fruit in it. So my girls love strawberries. And so we put strawberries in there and um, you got to let it sit there for a little while, as my oldest says, to really get the flavor. But those are ways to, um, try to reduce your soda intake, but then have water that has, you know, flavor. The other thing that I like to share, um, some people don't like to drink water and I am one myself that I have to consciously like remind myself to hydrate. And so one thing that I've been doing and I share again with patients is looking at fruits and vegetables that have a high water uh, content. Believe it or not, yogurt has a high water content. So mm. I always like to provide alternatives because again, like you mentioned, Dr. Jackie, we are all not one lane, which thank goodness we're all different flavors and, and different things. And so what can we do to lean into that um, and find different choices? And I did want to share on the podcast that I mentioned, there is a, a little boy, um, I won't, and I can say his name, Grayson, that has prediabetes. And he talks about how he goes about his day with different food choices. So any parents, caregivers, grandparents who are listening, check it out because I think his story is really helpful for even if your child doesn't have diabetes and little tips that may, um, may, may resonate with your child. I learned a lot from yeah. him when I interviewed him. <laughs> and, um, so you know, I, I don't know how they're doing in schools. I think they're trying to do a better job of, of um, healthy lunches. When I was in school, the lunches were horrific. <laughs> you know, everything was like, you know, bre bread and pasta and, you know, the hot lunches were, were horrible. Um, have you noticed that, uh, a change? I've noticed in some school systems, we've heard that there has been more intentionality um, with having healthier food choices, which is great. But again, I think it's important that we look at, you can have the healthy food choices at school, but we also need to have that continuity and have it at home as well. And so anything that you can do when it comes to snacks, like my girls are big, they love snacks. I think they like snacks more than they like a regular meal. <laughs> and so just, you know, That's talking normal. about let's, yes. <laughs> One day I'll share a story of like, what is it with the snacks? And that's when I was brand new at this as parenthood. I was like, okay, that's, that's their jam is snacks. Um, so we try to talk about apples, bananas, different things. And, and what I hope to happen is because I say, what about this? What about that? My hope is that they will start to model that on their own. And so even when we're eating out, um, I'll ask them, so what do you want as your side for that kid's meal? And in hopes that that kind of um, unsolicited or kind of uh, muscle memory of picking healthy choices happens. And it, it's hard, you know, as a parent, we're on the go. We're just doing our best to get through the day and in hopes of um, giving them everything we can. And uh, that's just a little piece of something that I do in my household, um, just trying my best, but it's, it's difficult. 
Thank you, Patricia. Patricia wrote a nice comment. I know you got to go, Dr. Bayo, but um, Paulette um, says, she says, I have a sheet and I measure my sugar and foods to see my body's reaction, see if my body's reaction has lowered my sugar levels. I take medication, but um, a lot less. I eliminate um, maybe to maybe one uh, third cup a month. I'm not sure what a third a cup of she's doing, but um, uh, the doctor is correct. Uh, education is the key. Thank you so much for that. Pauline said she had to go. Um, and then the last one before we go, um, Patricia says, I was terrified when I was diagnosed after being pre-diabetic for years. I've seen family and friends deal with amputations. We just lost a young family member a few months ago mm. and it still hurts, heart attacks and infections, et cetera. I've learned all I can and currently writing a book about my experience of being uh, beating diabetes. I'm very mindful there is no cookie cutter answer. I empathize over and over. Uh, I, I, well, I, I don't know what she meant, but um, the key, uh, education is the key and self-evaluation and creating a blueprint that you can live with as well. Thank you so much for that, Patricia. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, we're coming to the end because Dr. Bale has to go. Dr. Bale, this yes. has been great. We're going to have to come back when you have more time uh, because the people seem to be very engaged. And you, I will be posting some, some things that... Um, that she has um, the resources that she has that we can share with you. Again, I can't say enough, please share the broadcast. You see the email going across the bottom of the screen, info at blackwomanempowered.org. Join the movement, um, BW Christian Women Level Up, because we're getting ready to go to a level that you have never seen before on any platform. We're gonna uh, be inspiring you with per, um, professionally, spiritually, personally, financially, and more. I love you, Dr. Bayo. Love I all love the you audience. too. Thank you so much for tuning in. Share, share, share. And actually, I'll be back on again at six. Uh, I only got 30 minutes. I'll be back on with Shante, and we're going to be talking about um, reasons that you can't move forward with a psychologist. Love you. Bye bye. Love you. Thank you. Bye.